Welcome to the Day 2 Podcast. Today's guest did the impossible and convinced Amazon the Beast that it should allow sellers to speak directly to its customers in order to reduce seller returns. Return rates are getting crazy. Amazon FBA sucks at processing returns. Return fees are ridiculously awful. And our guest knew all of this and presented a crazy idea that Amazon actually listened to and incorporated a product called Get Product Support. Welcome to the Day 2 Podcast, where we give you the unfiltered truth to launch, grow, and protect your brand on Amazon and beyond. I'm Jason Boyce, founder and CEO of Avenue 7 Media and host of the Day 2 Podcast. Uh, Co-hosting with me today is my colleague and friend, Shannon Roddy. Shannon, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Jason. <laughs> I'm uh, excited for what we have coming this year and really excited to have Joe on. He, he reached out to me, I think, on LinkedIn uh, probably about three or four months ago. And my first question was, is this TOS compliant? This sounds too good to be true. Is this a hack? And he walked me through it and validated everything. And oh my gosh, I'm so excited that we get to have him on today. So Shannon, with us today is Joe Abbottball, founder of OnSite, an online tool to help you reduce returns. Joe, welcome to the Day 2 Podcast. How are you doing today? Great. So excited to be here, guys. Uh, honored to be on the podcast. Listen to a ton of different episodes and it's definitely a privilege. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's I, the privilege is ours. And thank you for being here. Joe, you've had quite a career in or around the Amazon game. Can we start with how did you get mixed up in Amazon? What has been your career path that led you to this amazing new product that you helped Amazon <laughs> agree to? I'm still I'm still laughing every time I say it. I don't know how you did it. We'll get to that. But tell us what your Amazon journey has been from start to where you're at today. My father started selling these watches on Amazon, cheap watches, you know, $12, $13 watches. Uh, FBM. I don't even think we even knew what FBA was at the time. We probably should have. <laughs> we would have made a lot of money, but I don't know. We were closed-minded, you know, ship it out of our basement. He pulled me in and we automated a ton of different processes that we became the number one, two, and three watch seller at that time in, in all of Amazon in 2013. And I went to school, came back, got a, a pretty decent position as a director of e-commerce for a company called Equity Brands. We licensed a ton of different brands uh, Black & Decker, uh, Westinghouse, AT&T, Got Milk. Uh, we built a ton of our own in-house brands too. And we became a pretty sizable vendor, both on the 1P and the, on the 3P side. And in doing that, being that director of e-commerce there, problems arise, profits are missing. Uh, we, we all know the story, juggling tons of tasks and hats. And then the goal in any management position is to try to bring solutions to those problems. Started with uh, Seller Locker which was our reimbursement platform where we automated the reimbursement process and built a whole team around it and FBA fees and, and the whole nine yards, um, built a business around that solution, which, you know, we serviced thousands of sellers there. Uh, and then this one was something that I always, it was just like an itch in the back of my head. Like, how can we speak to customers, QR codes? I don't know, just like something that was always like somewhere there. And then uh, one day we got an email um, saying, hey, we want to charge you to do customer support for this equity brands company. And we said, you know, I'm not going to let Amazon charge me for support. <laughs> I, I won't even talk to that customer support team. Now I'm going to have them do support for me. I thought that was a <laughs> whack idea. Uh, uh, at that time, I was also, um, as a hobby, like, you know, those pizza ovens, like those uni pizza ovens that oh, everyone yeah. was up there yeah, this summer. Cool. So I made my own 
for fun. And uh, the 500 pieces that got to Amazon uh, had a faulty knob. So imagine a $200 investment, $150 investment per item, 500 pieces, talking about a massive, massive loss of money, all sitting in FBA with a faulty knob. Removal order, Amazon was going to let us into their warehouse to try and swap. It was like a whole mess. Piece those two ideas together. You know, what if you allowed me to speak to the Amazon customer? I know you have this, uh, you know, beta program that you're going to charge customers. So you to do the support. What if you redirected them to me as a pilot? Uh, and we tried it. And I think out of the 500 pieces that we had, there were only two negative reviews on the listing. We were able to get all of them to take a replacement part. Um, thankfully sell out, you know, I got out of it. It was just too scary of a product to be in. I did so many different inspections and still there was an issue at this factory, but regardless, it opened up this whole concept of what if brands had the ability to speak to the Amazon customer, to educate them and to communicate with them. And in doing so, reducing returns, stopping negative reviews and increasing brand loyalty and repeat purchases. Uh, and then that, you know, in the tech business that we're already in, how do we leverage our resources internally to, to build something that can benefit ourselves and then the Amazon ecosystem? And that's, you know, 18 months later, we actually had an Amazon meeting recap today and a plan forward for 2023. And there's some pretty cool things coming next year, which I can't share too much of today, but uh, everyone's really excited about where this is going. It's an amazing career. So you first you start as an e-com director with equity brands, helping them build private label, and then you got to learn firsthand all of these problems. So I want to start with Seller Locker a little bit because it was always amazing to me how much money Amazon wasn't giving back to sellers. So tell us a little bit about that reimbursement space. What are some of the the good things and the challenges? I can tell you from my perspective, and I, I, I would imagine, Shannon, you would agree, it's beautiful that you started a company to go out there and help sellers, these hardworking sellers that make Amazon is what it is today, get their money back that's owed to them. I, first of all, I think it's crazy that that, that 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 tool has to exist, but thank you for doing it on behalf of sellers. Tell us a little bit about what that business was like. Basically, we had, uh, with an equity brand, we had six different strengths of a specific air condition, all the same size, relatively the same weight, just worked more efficiently or more powerful. And the fees were about 5 to $30 uh, in difference. And started having an Excel sheet and a tracker sheet. And this is before anybody in the reimbursement space uh, even looked at FBA fees. Uh, and started doing this all manually. Recovered about $60,000 from my employer. Hey, let's bring in a developer. I can't run my job and, and be the policeman of Amazon. Let's try to automate at least the reports pulling and some of the functions that are needed started doing it for a few friends and family was in my community. We said, hey, let's let's go to the Prosper show. By chance, I think Ray Berman was uh, talking about the problems with FBA fees at that Prosper show, I think in 2018. And that was like his biggest problem that he has as a stellar. And he didn't even know us. And then, by, you know, by chance, everyone's walking around all pissed off about FBA fees. <laughs> and here we are, you know, reduce your FBA fees. It just, it happened that way. And uh, it put us on the map. It's amazing. And then, you know, going back to the story about the pizza ovens, it reminds me, Shannon, of, you know, back when I used to sell game tables. Yeah. These are big, heavy things that we would FBM and deliver many times via LTL freight. And, you know, sometimes the, a table would get past inspection and it didn't have a screw or a bolt. And, you know, we, we'd have to take the return and then send them a new one for a bolt. And it, we built a process internally 
at our three warehouses where we kept these parts packages. And Joe, back in those days, we could still get the customer's telephone number. <laughs> you know, we could still message them. And then Amazon cut all that off. So what you're describing really wasn't possible when Amazon stopped allowing you to have any kind of contact or connections or ability to speak to the Amazon shopper when they closed that door. So it's pretty incredible. Shannon, you, you have any experience with a product like the Uni Pizza Oven situation? Because that's like $100,000 you probably saved yourself. You know, we've had situations where the customer, or the client sent in a three pack of a product and then Amazon was charging them for the three pack, but only sending them one unit. Uh, we had a situation where um, uh, one of the companies that I worked with, they the edges of the product would sometimes get nicked in shipping and they looked at the shipping costs and yeah, we could redo our packaging, but it was cheaper to pay for the re replacement than it was to redo all of their packaging. But it was still challenging because customers would be upset and they would choose to leave a negative review instead of just saying, you know, contacting the seller. And I, I'm actually in preparation for this. I pulled up my Amazon account, my shopper Amazon account. And you see for most orders, Amazon only gives you a handful of options. And if you look at them, it's all a white background with light gray text. It's very sort of nonchalant. You can track the package, return item. You can write a product review. I mean, this is what Amazon provides, you know, most. And the really the only other orange button on that, you know, product order page is buy it again. But there's not even a place on most of the orders that I'm seeing. I'm, I'm seeing it on some, but most orders, there's not even a place to contact the seller. And we know from psychology, just human behavior, people will always do what's easiest. They will always take the path of least resistance. And I was actually doing a little research, uh, Jason, when I read The Everything Store by Brad Stone, who talks about the origins of Amazon, they were trying to figure out how do we get people to sign up for Amazon Prime? And they said, hey, here's, here's a great idea have a single large orange button with the words create my prime account right inside the button. And it was like, that was the game changer. And that's, that's Amazon, right? Add to my cart, buy now, um, you know, one click checkout. Amazon sort of figuring out that, that customers will always default to what's simplest or what's highlighted. And that's where, you know, I would, Joe, I, I want to talk a little bit about this, get product support. Cause on more and more of my orders, I'm seeing this option, get product support. Talk a little bit about your, the origin of your idea and how it actually moves to the upper echelons of Amazon. Because these programs don't just get approved overnight. There's a process. Can you talk a little bit about that process from inception to actually sort of the beta rollout? Because Amazon does literally everything in beta before they launch live. We went through, we went through a pilot and then we went through beta and then Amazon uh, featured us on, we wanted to start testing this with vendors you know, vendors first, because that's where I think Amazon takes the biggest hit because they have in their vendor agreements that they have to swallow all the return costs besides for maybe, you know, five, six, 8%. Uh, so they actually piloted it out. And at this time it was already in scale to their vendor vendors that they have on their account. And they offer them both options, which was either a, you know, we'll do the chat for you give us educational information, manuals, guides, whatever you could teach us about your microwave. And we'd love to share that with the with the customers so that they can maybe troubleshoot some of their items. I never got too involved with that. Uh, I don't believe in that model enough. There's the secondary option, which they did offer to the vendors, um, include a link that can be used for support. 
Now, obviously, that link can't have any stelling done on that platform. Uh, it has to be strictly for support. Uh, the challenge, and this is really where OnSite came in after just that idea. You know, it wasn't just an idea. Uh, how do we give brands, small, medium, and large, the ability to provide support to the customer? So a brand right now, even the really, really big one, uh, let's say they got this bridge connected and they got this yellow button. What do you do now when the customer gets to your landing page? Uh, that landing page has to scream how-to videos, installation videos, an easy way to self-educate yourself or quickly communicate with the brand. A lot of brands don't have in-house design teams. And even when they do, it's mostly for their website, which is based around selling. Nobody has a landing page, a destination for support. Uh, so that's what we kind of obsessed over. Uh, we brought in the best website designers, uh, designers that are focused just on support, creating a destination for support. And what we're doing at Onsite is uh, we have the tools, which we built with hundreds of different features, uh, help desk platform. We have the design staff, all specialists in website uh, help desk design. And you combine those together. Now you have a front end and a back end support solution, front end for the customer who is supposed to engage and get the results that they need, the support that they need. And the back end, a very powerful platform built for e-commerce, not fluffed up with a bunch of different things. What do I need as an e-commerce individual, a help desk built for e-commerce with all the automations as I, that I need as a multi-channel or just an Amazon only seller loaded with everything, the API data, the automations, the macros, uh, everything that I need to provide premium support, even if I'm not a company with a hundred plus employee. That's amazing. That sounds like that was the big hurdle. Amazon, what Amazon did not want is the Amazon shopper going to an e-commerce website to get that support. It's almost like it needed its own URL and you said, no problem, I'll do it. I'll build it. Is that kind of yep. the biggest hurdle that you found in the pilot through beta uh, and vendor tests? So that allowed us to gain the trust um, because otherwise every single site has to be approved and go through review. So that allowed us to truly be able to, uh, you know, get that trust when it's on our domain we're not building websites <laughs> we're building support landing pages so that that was definitely a big hurdle brilliant brilliant now how in the heck did you get that first pilot meeting that that's the question that i still have i know shannon you asked it a little bit if you can tell it joe you just pick up the phone one day and call one of your contacts at amazon <laughs> how does how do you make a so like i said we got i got offered that pilot program to 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 pay for support and i said have a much better idea. I responded okay. back to that email. Okay. And they just came together. So they came out to you and said, hey, we'll pay us, for, we'll do your customer service and be really bad at it like we are with uh, seller support. And you said, are you out of your mind? I got a better idea. And it, and it just, and then that person took it to their boss. And the next thing you know, you're in a pilot. Is it as simple as that? It was a lot of uh, dancing around and, and getting excited for meetings and preparation and a lot of technology built. Uh, and yeah, I'd love to show you if I could screen share on this uh, podcast. Sure, you can screen share. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a real entrepreneur we're talking to. This is the guy who sees a problem, invents a solution, and goes and, and reinvents until he makes it happen. Joe, this is such a great story. I love it. So this actually is my orders page. Um, and I like we like to buy one of each product just to make sure that the yellow buttons are there. So this is also loaded with you know some of the brands that we're working with. Someone who does not have the get product support button, like you mentioned earlier, Shannon, which is also my wife's name, um, that return 
and write a product review are all grayed out, but we know why customers come to the orders page. It's usually to return a product or to write a product review. And they're usually right. really frustrated on this page. No one is just tracking my package. You know, they right. come in here upset. What we did, and this is, you know, again, this huge um, benefit was redirecting their attention towards the port. You know what? I do like this. I want to keep the product that I purchased. A misconception we all have is somebody really wants to return the item the second they get it. No, someone wa bought it for a reason. They want it to work. It'd be better for them if it did work. Yeah. And you do have, you know, 20 to 30 seconds, maybe a few minutes if it's a more technical product to give them that aha moment for them to keep it. Now they go into this page to return it. Now, last ditch effort, you're giving them that ability to click on this button here, redirecting them to the support site. Now that is taking them to an on-site, uh, you know, landing page. The goal of that landing page, like I mentioned, is to get them to engage either through education or with communication. Now, there's not too much education that can be happening with a um, supplement company or a vitamins company, so you can't teach them too much how to use it. But like you mentioned earlier, Shannon, someone ordered a two-pack and only one came. Uh, ordered, I'm on a subscribe and save and this last batch came melted or doesn't taste right. Now you have that ability through communication to actually go ahead and save that sale. Maybe it'll cost you on a $20 retail, $5 to ship out a replacement piece, maybe $8. But yeah. as opposed to losing the full retail of the item, the return fees, the FBA fee doesn't go back to you. Whatever you spent in advertising, it usually costs three profitable sales to make up for one negative Amazon return. I want to double down on what you just said, Joe. That is, we're talking turkey here. For every return, sellers, you're likely losing the profits on your next three sales just to pay for that one return for all the shipping costs, the 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 fee. Joe, you broke this down for me once. On a return, Amazon doesn't give you back that seller fee, do they? That's right. They do not give you back a Porsche. So let's just say it's an $18.99 item. Uh, retail is $18.99. FBAC for an item of this size, maybe three, four, four fifteen will go on the low side. A referral fee is 2.8. Let's assume the cost is five bucks and you are making $5 in profit. So 26% margin without any advertising, at any uh, calculate shipping the product to Amazon. Auto return, you lose the full $18.99. The FBA fee stands. They don't return it back. You know, they don't give you back that money for it because they did ship it out. Right. They will charge you a referral fee. If it was apparel or I think shoes and some other categories, there's also a returns processing fee. And then if this item goes into unsellable status, now it's basically worth nothing. You're going to have to ship it back to your warehouse and then you're probably going to have to pay your warehouse also monthly storage as well until you dis decide to burn it on fire somewhere. <laughs> but um, the total estimated loss, and again, this is not even baked into every single cost that I can think of, is about $28. Let's just say you initiated an MCF order. Um, it'll cost you about $565. It's a little bit more expensive than the $415. And then the item cost. Let's say the cost we said is 5 bucks. If you're talking about $11 loss, versus a 28 to $33 loss. On a $19 item. And that's assuming you let them keep the items, right? Right. And again, the more expensive the item, the scarier the numbers can get. So uh, we have an item here. This is like, a, I think it's like some of their stuff are like seven, $800. And like you mentioned, uh, Jay, that sometimes there's a screw missing. Sometimes the item came there. Oh, I have some funny ones for you, but sometimes we'll start with some basic ones. They're middle of installation. They're up to step 23. 
and they're missing the bolt. I don't know how frustrated I would be if I was 23 steps in and I was missing the bolt for that let you know for the last five step. I would be going crazy. Um, and I I put myself on all the tickets so I can see some of the messaging. It is sometimes sad, but sometimes hysterical. Uh, besides, <laughs> besides for like just replacing the parts because again sometimes. Well, this one's funny. I was actually just reading when someone was like 85 pages into a novel and the next 30 pages were missing. <laughs> was oh, oh, talk about a cliffhanger. It's a cliffhanger. So, so you actually have to go ahead. Like in that scenario, there's not much you can do to help the customer besides, you know, return it, recall back the inventory and speak to your factory. But, you know, you would have found out that information maybe when it was too late, when too much of the damage was done. Over here, the brand was able to get ahead of it. Uh, with the pizza makers that I mentioned before, we turned our get product support button into, you know, right on the main page of the, of over here, click on this button and you'll have an automatic uh, replacement part go back out to you. They click on this, they put in their address, it goes out straight away. It's you getting ahead of the problem uh, goes really, really far. Um, I'll show you a few more different, you know, anecdotes. You know, people come in really upset. Before I post a negative review on Amazon, I wanted to give you a chance to reach out. Uh, you know, we know people come in really upset and expectingly so when things come in damaged or missing. And over here in all these scenarios, you fix the problem. Wow, not the service I expected. This is far better. We love this grinder. We were distraught to think it was dead. You have given it new life. I love this person. <laughs> she should be a writer. Uh, uh, over here, receive the replacement strap. Thank you so much for your prompt attention. Superb customer service. You have a loyal customer for life. Joe, you know, when I was telling you that scenario, well, when we still could reach out to the customer if they were missing a bolt or something like that, instead of returning it, I mean, I think we, when we were able to do that and we institute sending out a parts package instead of a return, I think we cut returns by in half. I think we were at a 5% rate. We got it down to below two, somewhere around 2% return rate. What are the numbers that you're seeing in terms of return rates uh, that you're cutting as a result of the get product support? functionality that you pioneered we have somebody who sells like uh glass cups and they specialize in you know you know uh themed that you know disney cups and all that stuff but they're glass and they order a six pack or a three pack and one of them comes damaged uh i think shannon mentioned this earlier so now you have a 60 dollar item it came with three cups this could be a 60 dollar return it's gonna go to unsellable status because amazon can't repackage a, you know an item that's missing uh, a three pack that's missing one of the cups. It's probably going to get more damage in between facilities and then back to your own warehouse. All the brand had to do is ship out an additional cup. And that probably cost them very little money and they were able to retain 80% of the value. Uh, we have brands, same story, just different products, a 12 pack of solar panels. Their biggest return reason was item defective or missing parts or pieces. And, and I think I have that case study, but I think it was costing them about $125,000 a year. Just because of that, they order 12 and one of the 12, which is extremely likely, does not operate properly in the guy's lung. A quick replacement of one of these items that maybe cost five to $10 saves $120 sale plus all the fees that he was paying. It really depends on the item that you sell. So when signing up, you should think about what am I selling? What could be some of the reasons? But uh, we definitely recommend also just you know doing an audit. We will run like a returns report and figure out what the most common reasons are for your returns and then build these pages to address those problems, whether it's installation, whether it's uh, missing parts or pieces. I actually have one brand, they sell water filters and on the 
they kept getting expired, expired. These items are expired. These filters don't expire. It's it's not an item that can expire. It was extremely confusing. The reviews on Amazon kept saying expired product. Uh, the return reason that they're running returns reports kept saying expired. And we didn't understand it. Uh, we ran, uh, we, we signed them up to PLS unknowing what would happen. Uh, we started seeing these tickets. We started engaging with the customer. What do you mean that it's expired? They sent us a picture on the bottom of the box. It says 2017 on it. I don't know where that 2017 came from. They reached out to their factory. Oh, that was just a production run. It was our 2017 production run of this item. So we put 2017 on the bottom. Okay, but you confuse all of our customers to thinking they're getting expired products. So they're identifying, uh, you know, manufacturing discrepancies. Obviously, they put on their landing page. This is just the, you know, a manufacturing code. This is not expired. This does not expire. And they're able to avoid all these returns. But it really depends what you sell. But everyone that has signed up has found a way to benefit from the platform. Unless they're not doing enough volume to justify uh, the subscription fee. And regardless, we even were working on like an opening price point model now, maybe for very small sellers still. We are, it, we talked about it today, we're also trying to, Make it easier for the brands that are providing support to get those addresses. You know, maybe a pop-up will shoot up after the get product support button. Would are you able are you willing to share this address with the brand that's about to provide support? Like we're trying to find the right way to do it. I mean, it's incredible. The downstream effects of some of the use cases that you just described, it's gonna, you know, if if you don't solve this problem, break down what PLS is for our, our viewers and listeners. So it means product lifecycle support. The whole concept is is extending the life cycle of the product. That's like the all that's like the plan words that we've got talking it. through. And so the downstream effects of not solving these problems with the tool that you pioneered, Joe, is you're gonna get more negative reviews. You because if you don't have an option to speak to somebody to solve your problem, you're just gonna be like, this sucked. You're gonna leave a one star. You're gonna wreck them. Number two, your return rates are going to go high and you're saving hundreds of thousands of dollars for some of these brands that you're working with, including Amazon on the vendor side. Yeah. <laughs> and then the third thing is, and Shannon, tell me if I'm missing one here. If you're getting negative return rates that are high, you're going to get your listing taken down for an NCX reason and you're going to lose sales altogether if you can't solve that problem. This is like, yeah. I, can't, I can't imagine, I can't think, Shannon, of any time where one solution solve that many issues that could happen. It's why I got so excited about it. And the fourth one that you didn't quite mention, Jason, is the ability to learn about your product in case there is a functional manufacturer defect or change that you could make improve. that would make it simpler. Sure. Right? Sure. So so for our clients at Ab7, we are always pioneering a two-prong approach of one, we're trying to update the listings to make sure that the customer understands the product, how to use the product. At the same time, we're providing feedback to our clients and saying, hey, if you change this or added this or tweak this, it's actually going to create a better customer experience on your next, before your next manufacturing run. And you talk about this in the Amazon Jungle book, it's make these three changes and you're going to have a better product, better support, which, which impacts all these things as well. So there is a ton of value here, not just to avoid negative reviews and, um, and, and return fees but also to really help you become better as a business owner. The last thing I wanted to mention, Joe, that that came to mind is, you know, I had a client, it was just kind of a side coaching client, but they had two products that they released at the same time. One was a mask refresher. So, you know, everybody's wearing masks during COVID and they start to smell funky after a couple of days or weeks. 
And so it's sort of like an alcohol base with like a little fragrance. So it kind of make it smell nice. That was almost pure alcohol. They also at the same time released in a product that looked almost identical, had the same bottle, sort of the same packaging color. And that product was to help keep makeup on. So if you were using makeup, you would spray it over your makeup and it would keep your makeup from smearing if you were using a mask or whatever. The problem is the products got mislabeled. And so women were spraying alcohol and getting it in their eyes and making these complaints. And it took them two months, I think, to realize what had happened, that the FBA labels had gotten switched, that Amazon had mixed up the inventory or their 3PL had mislabeled them. These are the kind of things that could be discovered almost instantaneously, allowing you to keep customers safe and mitigate all those negative, I mean, just resulted in negative reviews, you know, horrendous sort of fees and and everything coming back negatively on the brand. So for, for me, there's a safety issue as well that, that brands could benefit from uh, using this program. Let's say I'm a seller. Let's say I'm a seven-figure seller and, you know, I'm pissed off because my returns are getting higher. Uh, I listen to this episode and I say, hey, I want to work with Joe. Break it down for us. What's the cost for a seller to sign up for the program? What does the process look like? And when can they when can they start uh, expecting to see the magic happen? So somebody goes to onsitesupport.io, they sign up. Currently, we have one pricing model, uh, $2.99 a month, or they can pay the entire year up front and they get two months off, uh, which would be $3,000 instead of 3600 That model suits for more of the larger Amazon sellers. I don't see it that way. And by large, I mean doing, you know, over one to $2 million a year, unless they sell maybe some expensive products, then, you know, one return preventive could cover the entire cost. I would pay, honestly, on a new launch, two to three to $400 just to remove a negative review. Uh, so some of the, some agencies have reached out to us and said, Hey, we have some smaller brands. What if we created an opening price point model, uh, you know, small companies, but as an insurance protection, just to give us a, we only know how to solicit for good reviews or for honest reviews. And we hope they're good. There's nothing to prevent ourselves from getting negative reviews. And these new brands that get launched fail right away. So we're entertaining if we get enough traction and maybe after this podcast, we will make that final decision to create another price point for, you know, some limited features, but for the smaller brands, we built it more uh, for someone who's getting support from different angles. He's getting his buyer seller messaging. He's going to now get me getting this get product support. He's going to throw the QR code that Amazon gave us, which is TOS compliant on the package. And now he's going to start getting traffic from multiple locations. If he's an omni-channel seller, this platform that we built connects with Walmart, Newegg, eBay, Shopify, uh, all of your messages, creating one hub for support. And it's also capable of connecting with Slack, uh, WhatsApp, WeChat, Facebook, wherever you're getting support. (laughs) The goal is to create a platform built for e-commerce. Uh, but we'll get to that in a second. Let's just finish up. So someone decides they want to sign up. It's good for them. We just have a simple form, which has a list of your brands and ASINs so that we can figure out what categories you're selling in. We have an, a one call, a design call to just understand what you're selling, what your problems are. Our designers get to work while we start enrolling your brands and PLF. It does have to be FBA and brand registered. If you meet those two conditions, we start enrolling you in the program. Your website is usually done in about three to five days. Amazon takes about a two, two weeks to, to get what they're supposed to be doing done. 
Um, and then it usually meets up after two weeks. We start the subscription and now you should start getting tickets from the get product support button. But of course, we're connecting your email that you're probably using for support, your uh, social channels, your buyer seller messaging, and then all the other marketplaces that you sell on. And that's it. Now you start working it. I don't think I showed you the back end yet, but um, we'll show you that now. Jason, my mind is blown right now. I don't know if you're this as well, but I mean, the two words that come to mind are game changer. You know, these are all the messages that come through, all the messages coming through. We give you all the API data. So the order information, it's a verifying the order was it returned or not yet. How much it was for, uh, with a click of the button, you can go ahead and return either partial of the order. We're trying to work on a, on a little widget now, and it'll be done soon that you can click a button and MCF order. We'll shoot through the API to send out a replacement item. If you wanted to send out a replacement. We just finished the feature now, which I think you'll find cool that we can launch this in multiple marketplaces now. So if you're selling in a in another country, we can create another landing page, translated for you, and the messaging will come in in let's say Spanish. You'll enter in English; it'll respond back in Spanish. So there's there's we, we're we're going crazy with it. Uh, you can set business hours, <clears throat> anything you would need from a help desk, but built for e-commerce um, automations, macros, canned responses. We really went crazy with it. The goal of our company, this is like what makes on-site special as a help desk. Forget the Amazon yellow button, but if you're providing support in general or you need to be providing support. So we're giving brands that front end and back end uh, ability solution to scale. So it's not just a contact us form that people have on their website. It's a support like I showed you uh, built to engage the customer, to reach out, to either self-educate or to reach out to you to help themselves. It's built with all the e-commerce needs in mind. That's what I, I am. That's what I love. Uh, with all the API info that you need, the different macros that you would need, click a button and the order goes straight to the warehouse um, to send out the replacement part or piece, whatever we can do to allow customers to brands to scale. Because I know it, you think brands are huge and then you find out it's 12 people working in one office. They can't take on a monster like this. So we have to really build these tools with the intention of it being something that a small team could manage, but of course, big teams too. And then all this is done for you. So our team is made up mostly of, of course, tech developers, but website designers, content managers, and then integration specialists. Everyone hates signing up for a help desk and then they have to do all the work building it. You get it finished. You're going to get it looking like this with all the automations that we discussed in our onboarding call and whatever information and integrations that need to be connected already connected to all your marketplaces, ready to be used. So these are like our three things that make us, let's say different than a Zendesk, maybe if they had this Amazon button, but we're really that solution for the e-commerce seller that doesn't have, and, and I'm surprised because I'm finding, you know, 20, 30, hundred million dollar brand still haven't figured out support. It's constantly evolving, but that's, that's where we are. Joe, it's incredible. And I want to go back to your 299. It's really $3,000 a year uh, proposal. If you are building a brand and you don't think $200, $300 a month is worth protecting your brand integrity, you're in the wrong game. I think this is a very cost effective. And I should say to the listeners, I'm not an investor. I wish I was an investor, Joe, because I love the product that you're building. We don't get paid for this. Where this is not a promotion. This is just, this is good for sellers. You know, I really appreciate what you've done, Joe. You're a true entrepreneur. You convinced Amazon to do the impossible. And it's one of those rare instances where your solution that you brought to the table helps not only the small businesses and sellers that Shannon and I care so much about, and I know you and your dad do as well, Joe, 
It helps the shoppers and it helps Amazon. Shannon, I can't remember a topic that we have covered where a solution came to the table that helped all of those, all of those stakeholders. It's truly remarkable. You know, Joe, thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate what you've done. And, and, and I know you're busy. I appreciate you taking the time to come, to come share your solution with, the, with, our, with our listeners and our viewers. Uh, if, if somebody wants to reach out to you and just say, hey, Joe, great job. How, how, can, how can our viewers get in touch with you? So go to, I guess the best way is email. I'm not going to share my cell phone number, even though I looked. <laughs> it's a Joe, Joe at onsitesupport.io. I'll definitely put it in the notes. So it's two ninety nine a month. We are working on an opening price point solution, but if we have enough interest and you email me, maybe we will roll it out sooner or later. But like I said, I, I would pay more than that just to remove one negative review. But even if not, not selling right now, uh, we do have a, an onboarding fee just to, to pay our designers and cover all the costs of building that site, which is usually $400. There can also be a discount code in the notes uh, to knock that down in half. So when you sign up, all you pay is that design fee, which would be 200 bucks now. Um, once the bun is live, then the subscription starts. So um, we aren't going to charge until you know we do what we promise we're going to do. So it, all you would pay is $200 to get started, and that's it. There are certain things in business and in life that we call no-brainers because it does not take any logical brain power to go, oh my gosh, this is the simplest idea. I should definitely do it. I mean, you know, again, it depends on the scalability of how how much revenue you're doing, but there's so many benefits. And, you know, Southwest Airlines showed if a customer had a negative experience and you went in and fixed that problem for them, nine times out of 10, you would earn that customer's business for life. And one of your reviews that you called out in this episode mentioned that we're talking about lifetime value of every single customer and that customer touch point. And Jason, we've touched on this in previous episodes. Amazon has been systematically cutting off and removing contact between the seller and the customer. And it's like all of a sudden through an Amazon approved program, they have opened the door to allow that to happen again. So Joe, along with Jason, I applaud you. We're super excited. We're, we're going to be beta testing this with a handful of clients. But you know, I, I talked to a client about it yesterday morning. He goes, oh my gosh. I just have, you know, clients who are trying to figure out the blanket that I just bought. Is it washable? Can I throw it in the washing machine? I don't know. And the answer is yes, but to have that one extra get product support button and then have washing instructions right there answers that question. It reduces those negative uh, returns, negative comments. Uh, I'm just super excited about it. Try it because I didn't know the benefits that, you know, some of these people are getting, I couldn't have predicted them, especially with that, that water filter. You know, the guy sells 1999 water filters. He had a new batch of, you know, 6,000 pieces coming from his factory. He, he thankfully removed the 2017 on it. Uh, but yeah, it's month to month. That's also very key to know. We, we, there's no long-term agreements. Use it as long as you're getting benefit. No one's, no one's holding any hostages. Great job, Joe. Great solution. It solves so many problems. Thanks for being here and thanks for what you do for sellers every day. Folks, if you're ready to start growing and protecting your brand on Amazon with a team of experienced Amazon operators, you can visit us at day2podcast.com. That's day2podcast.com. And lastly, if you know of anyone else who will gain value like Joe's great episode today, please share it with them. Thanks for listening and happy selling.